Chapter Seventeen of Meridiana: The Adventures of Three Englishmen and Three Russians in South Africa. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Joe Denoya, Somerset, New Jersey. Meridiana: The Adventures of Three Englishmen and Three Russians in South Africa by Jules Verne, translated by Ellen E. Frewer. Chapter Seventeen: An Unexpected Blight. After the Oryx hunt, the bushman had a long conversation with the colonel. He felt sure, he said, that they were watched and followed, and that the only reason why they had not been attacked before was because the Makalos wished to get them further north, where their hordes were larger. The question thus arose whether, in presence of this danger, they should retrace their steps, but they were reluctant to suffer that which nature had favored to be interrupted by the attacks of a few African savages. The colonel, aware of the importance of the question, asked the bushman to tell him all he knew about the Makalos. Mokum explained that they were the most northerly branch of the great tribe of the Bekwanas. In 1850, Dr. Livingstone, during his first journey to the Zambezi, was received at Sesheki, the usual residence of Sebutuani, the chief of the Makalos. This native was a man of remarkable intelligence and a formidable warrior. In 1824, he had menaced the Cape frontier, and, little by little, had gained an ascendancy over the tribes of Central Africa, and had united them in a compact group. In the year before the arrival of the Anglo-Russian expedition, the chief had died in Livingstone's arms, and his son, Sekeleton, succeeded him. At first, Sekeleton was very friendly toward the Europeans who visited the Zambezi, and Dr. Livingstone had no complaint to make. But after the departure of the famous traveler, not only strangers, but the neighboring tribes were harassed by Sekeleton and his warriors. To these vexations succeeded pillage on a large scale, and the Makalo scoured the district between Lake Nagami and the upper Zambezi. Consequently, nothing was more dangerous than for a caravan to venture across this region without a considerable escort, especially when its progress had been previously known. Such was the history given by Mekwam. He said that he thought it right to tell the colonel the whole truth, adding that, for his part, if the colonel so wished, he should not hesitate to continue the march. Colonel Everest consulted with his colleagues, and it was settled that the work, at all risks, should be continued. Something more than half of the project was now accomplished, and, whatever happened, the English owed it to themselves and their country not to abandon their undertaking. The series of triangles was resumed. On the 27th, the Tropic of Capricorn was passed, and on the 3rd of November, with the completion of the 41st triangle, a fifth degree was added to the meridian. For a month, the survey went on rapidly without meeting a single natural obstacle. Mokwam, always on the alert, kept a constant lookout at the head and the flanks of the caravan, and forbade the hunters to venture too great a distance away. No immediate danger, however, seemed to threaten the little troop, and they were sanguine that the bushman's fears were proved groundless. There was no further trace of the native who, after eluding them at the Cromlech, had taken so strange a part in the oryx chase, nor did any other aggressor appear. Still, at various intervals, the bushman observed signs of trepidation among the bookiesmen under his command. The incidents of the flight from the old Cromlech and the stratagem of the oryx hunt could not be concealed from them, and they were perpetually expected and intact. A deadly antipathy existed between tribe and tribe, and, in the event of a collision, the defeated party could entertain no hope of mercy. The Bokismen were already three hundred miles from their home, and there was every prospect of their being carried two hundred more. It is true that, before engaging them, Mokum had been careful to inform them of the length and difficulties of the journey, and they were not meant to shrink from fatigue. But now, when to these was added the danger of a conflict with implacable enemies, regret was mingled with murmuring and dissatisfaction was exhibited with ill-humor, and although Mokwam pretended neither to hear nor to see, he was silently conscious of an increasing anxiety. 
on the second of december a circumstance occurred which still further increased the spirit of complaint amongst this superstitious people and provoked them to a kind of rebellion since the previous evening the weather had become dull the atmosphere saturated with vapour gave signs of being heavily charged with electric fluid there was every prospect of the recurrence of one of the storms which in this tropical district are seldom otherwise than violent during the morning the sky became covered with sinister-looking clouds piled together like bales of down of contrasted colours the yellowish hue distinctly relieving the mass of dark grey the sun was wan the heat was overpowering and the barometer fell rapidly the air was so still that not a leaf fluttered although the astronomers had not been unconscious of the change of weather they had not thought it necessary to suspend their labours emery attended by two sailors and four natives in charge of the wagon was sent two miles east of the meridian to establish a post for the vertex of the next triangle he was occupied in securing his point of sight when a current of cold air caused a rapid condensation which appeared to contribute immediately to a development of electric matter instantly there fell a violent shower of hail and by a rare phenomenon the hailstones were luminous so that it seemed to be raining drops of boiling silver the storm increased sparks flashed from the ground and jets of light gleamed from the iron settings of the wagon dr livingstone relates that he has seen tiles broken and horses and antelopes killed by the violence of these hailstorms without losing a moment emory left his work for the purpose of calling his men to the wagon which would afford better shelter than a tree but he had hardly left the top of the hill when a dazzling flash instantly followed by a peal of thunder inflamed the air emory was thrown down and lay prostrate as though he were actually dead the two sailors dazzled for a moment were not long in rushing toward him and were relieved to find that the thunderbolt had spared him he had been enveloped by the fluid which collected by the compass which he held in his hand had been diverted in its course so as to leave him not seriously injured raised by the sailors he soon came to himself but he was narrowly escaped two natives twenty paces apart lay lifeless at the foot of the post one had been struck by the full force of the thunderbolt and was a black and shattered corpse while his clothes remained entire the other had been locally struck on the skull with the destructive fluid and had been killed at once the three men had been undeniably struck by a single flash this trisection of a flash of lightning is an unusual but not unknown occurrence and the angular division was very large the bokesmen were at first overwhelmed by the sudden death of their comrades but soon in spite of the cries of the sailors and at the risk of being struck themselves they rushed back to the camp the two sailors having first provided for the protection of emery conveyed the two dead bodies to the wagon and then found shelter for themselves being sorely bruised by the hailstones which fell like a shower of marbles for three-quarters of an hour the storm continued to rage the hail then abated so as to allow the wagon to return to camp the news of the death of the natives had preceded them and had produced a deplorable effect on the minds of the bookiesmen who already looked upon the trigonometrical operations with the terror of superstition they assembled in secret council and some more timid than the rest declared that they would go no further the rebellious disposition began to look serious and it took all the bushman's influence to arrest an actual revolt colonel everest offered the poor men an increase of pay but contentment was not to be restored without much trouble it was a matter of emergency had the natives deserted the position of the caravan without escort and without drivers would have been perilous in the extreme at length however the difficulty was overcome and after the burial of the natives the camp was raised and the little troop proceeded to the hill where the two had met their death emory felt the shock for some days his left hand which had held the compass was almost paralyzed but after a time it recovered and he was able to resume his work for eighteen days no special incident occurred the makololos did not appear and Mokwum, though still distrustful, exhibited fewer indications of alarm. They were not more than fifty miles from the desert, and the Karoo was still verdant and enriched by abundant water. They thought that neither man nor beast could want for anything in this region so rich in game and pasturage, but they had reckoned without the locusts, against whose appearance there is no security in the agricultural districts of South Africa. 
on the evening of the twentieth about an hour before sunset the camp was arranged for the night a light northerly breeze refreshed the atmosphere the three englishmen and mokwum resting at the foot of a tree discussed their plans for the future it was arranged that during the night the astronomers should take the altitude of some stars in order accurately to find their latitude everything seemed favorable for the operations in a cloudless sky the moon was nearly new and the constellations might be expected to be clear and resplendent great was the disappointment therefore when emery rising and pointing to the north said the horizon is overcast i begin to fear our anticipations of a fine night will hardly be verified yes replied sir john i see a cloud is rising and if the wind should freshen it might overspread the sky there is not another storm coming i hope interposed the colonel we are in the tropics said emery and it would not be surprising for to-night i begin to have misgivings about our observations what is your opinion mokwum asked the colonel of the bushman mokwum looked attentively toward the north the cloud was bounded by a long clear curve as definite as though traced by a pair of compasses it marked off a section of some miles of the horizon and its appearance black as smoke seemed to excite the apprehensions of the bushman at times it reflected a reddish light from the setting sun as though it were rather a solid mass than a collection of vapor without direct reply to the colonel's appeal mokwum simply said that it was strange in a few minutes one of the bookiesmen announced that the horses and cattle showed signs of agitation and would not be driven to the interior of the camp well let them stay outside said mokwum and in answer to the suggestion that they should be in danger from the wild beasts around he added significantly oh the wild beasts will be too much occupied to pay any attention to them after the native had gone back colonel everest turned to ask what the bushman meant but he had moved away and was absorbed in watching the advance of the cloud of which too accurately he was aware of the origin the dark mass approached it hung low and appeared to be but a few hundred feet from the ground mingling with the sound of the wind was heard a peculiar rustling which seemed to proceed from the cloud itself at this moment above the cloud against the sky appeared thousands of black specks fluttering up and down plunging in and out and breaking the distinctness of the outline what are those moving specks of black asked sir john they are vultures eagles falcons and kites answered mokwum from afar they have followed the cloud and will never leave it until it is destroyed or dispersed but the cloud is not a cloud at all answered the bushman extending his hand toward the sombre mass which by the time had spread over a quarter of the sky it is a living host to say the truth it is a swarm of locusts the hunter was not mistaken the europeans were about to witness one of those terrible invasions of grasshoppers which are unhappily too frequent and in one night changed the most fertile country into an arid desert these locusts now arriving by millions were the grilli divistori of the naturalists and travellers have seen from a distance of fifty miles the beach covered with piles of these insects to a height of four feet yes continued the bushman these living clouds are a very scourge to the country and it will be lucky if we escape without harm but we have no crops and pasturages of our own said the colonel what have we to fear nothing if they merely pass over our heads everything if they settle on the country over which we must travel they will not leave a leaf on the trees nor a blade of grass on the ground and you forget colonel that if our own sustenance is secure that of our animals is not what do you suppose will become of us in the middle of a devastated district the astronomers were silent for a time and contemplated the animated mass before them the cries of the eagles and falcons who were devouring the insects by thousands sounded above the redoubled murmur do you think they will settle here said emery i fear so answered mokwum the wind carries them here direct the sun is setting and the fresh evening breeze will bear them down should they settle on the trees bushes and prairies why then i tell you but the bushman could not finish his sentence in an instant the enormous cloud which overshadowed them settled on the ground nothing could be seen as far as the horizon but a thickening mass the camp was bestrewed wagons and tents alike were veiled beneath a living hail the englishmen moving knee-deep in the insects crushed them by hundreds at every step although there was no lack of agencies at work for their destruction their aggregate defied all check 
the birds with hoarse cries darted down from above and devoured them greedily from below the snakes consumed them in enormous quantities the horses buffaloes mules and dogs fed on them with great relish the lions and hyenas elephants and rhinoceroses swallowed them down by bushels the very bochismen welcomed these shrimps of the air like celestial manna the insects even preyed on each other but their numbers still resisted all sources of destruction the bushmen entreated the english to taste the dainty thousands of young locusts of a green colour an inch to an inch and a half long and about as thick as a quill were caught before they have deposited their eggs they are considered a great delicacy by connoisseurs and are more tender than the old insects which are of a yellowish tinge and sometimes measure four inches in length after half an hour's boiling and seasoning with salt pepper and vinegar the bushmen served up a tempting dish to the three englishmen the insects dismembered of head legs and skin were eaten just like shrimps and were found extremely savoury sir john who ate some hundreds recommended his people to take advantage of the opportunity to make a large provision at night they were all about to seek their usual beds but the interior of the wagons had not escaped the invasion it was impossible to enter without crushing the locusts and to sleep under such conditions was not an agreeable prospect accordingly as the night was clear and the stars bright the astronomers were rejoiced to pursue their contemplated operations and deemed it more pleasant than burying themselves to the neck in a coverlet of locusts moreover they would not have had a moment's sleep on account of the howling of the beasts which were attracted by their unusual prey the next day the sun rose in a clear horizon and commenced its course over a brilliant sky foreboding heat a dull rustling of scales among the locusts showed that they were about to carry their devastations elsewhere and toward eight o'clock the mass rose like the unfurling of an immense veil and obscured the sun it grew dusk as if night were returning and with the freshening of the wind the whole mass was in motion for two hours with a deafening noise the cloud passed over the darkened camp and disappeared beyond the western horizon after their departure the bushman's predictions were found to be entirely realized all was demolished and the soil was brown and bare every branch was stripped to its utter nakedness it was like a sudden winter settling in height of the summer or like the dropping of a desert into the midst of a land of plenty the oriental proverb which describes the devastating fury of the osmanlis might justly be applied to these locusts where the turk has passed the grass springs up no more end of chapter seventeen